0: Welcome to Movie Maniacs, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we are back. Another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags, Chuck Curry talking about the great world of movies after a couple of weeks off for vacation in the middle of the summer and lots to talk about, including the summer movie slate that she just keeps raking in big bucks at the box office. And we lost a great one this week. And we'll recap his career in just a little while. James Caan passes away at the age of 82. Actually lost a couple of uh, character actors as well. We'll get to that later on. Uh, but let's bring him in now. Chuck, uh, how, would you, how have you been? We haven't talked in a couple of weeks.
1: I'm, I'm good, Mike. I'm trying to enjoy the summer. I don't know if it feels completely like the summer. I remember with, with, with I don't know, I can't explain it. Post-COVID, things still feel, even though I don't think about COVID personally. Right. I just, it has a weird feeling to me. I can't explain it. Well, I tried talking to people. I actually tried talking to my therapist a few times about this. She doesn't understand it
0: either. Okay. I'm just kidding. I didn't know if you really want to get into that tonight. But OK, um, let's talk about people are going back really. to the theaters um, and, and, and a lot of money they being are. made. Um, let's start with Thor. But now I know you got a chance to see it. And we'll talk about it in a second. But first off, what can we expect uh, at the end of the take here for Thor?
1: It's blowing past expectation in terms of tracking. It's tracking around 135, 140 million. It was tracking around initially like 110, 115. So there's no doubt there's a pent up demand for at least big tentpole popcorn movies. People want to go out to the movies to see these big films. Now the question is, we stated you know many times over the last few years, are they gonna go consistently with product that's not massive movies? You know if they release uh, something for a $50 million movie that's more character-driven or less, are people going to show up to theaters? We don't know that yet because that's really not what's being released. Every film released in the last three, four months has just been a big popcorn movie. So those movies are doing well. Some are doing incredible, incredibly well. If you look at Top Gun Maverick, Mike, I it would be like since Titanic in ninety seven. I mean, you're talking thirteen percent drop off week to week and weekend number five. Films done one point two billion worldwide. I never, and I mean, I never would have predicted that at a Top Gun Maverick. Do, would you?
0: No, I don't think they knew that Paramount either. And I think, I think COVID helped the take of that movie. To tell you the truth, um, and I we learned a couple things too. Um, word of mouth still works, um, and two. People keep going back that like people will see the same movie again in a theater because that's the only way you explain the thirteen percent drop off. Yes, new oh, audiences go well, but people to. are going back.
1: Ha- yes, you're getting repeat viewings for the film. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You know, when a movie has that kind of legs on on high on a high number, and we're not talking about a movie that opened at fifteen and then the second week does twelve or eleven. We're talking a movie that you know goes from 55 to 43 million in, in another week uh, it's that's it's a stunning number and i don't know if any, any people in the industry they have to be perplexed in, in the best of ways because um it, it's good news and like i said you know thor is gonna is is doing really well this weekend i mean i guess the question is now going forward and you know elvis is not a big uh, you know shoot him up movie and uh, it's performing very well.
0: Very well. So yeah, it's, it's all
1: good. It's I would
0: say regretting. I would say the only movie that's maybe a little under expectations is Lightyear. And maybe a lot of that has to do with, you know, maybe yeah, going to the going is, to the I well agree. a little bit too much. I, I don't know what the answer to. That. It's a good movie. It's not a bad movie. Um, I, I don't I can't explain it, you know, it wasn't that long ago where and we got to Minions uh, had a great weekend. It
1: week. did. $143 million. Opening. It's great. That's, great an, uh,
0: that's a great weekend. Yeah. I, those are all positive signs that things. But you're right. It's these. It's like I saw the trailer for George Clooney and Julia Roberts in October comedy released by Universal. They play exes who try to I stop their. Too. So that's the kind of movie where in the 80s. Yeah. Two big stars in a in a romantic comedy that would do well. I, I, Post-COVID well, Is that
1: But, but here but here's the With Chad and Sandra Bullock did Has done 110 million Right? Yeah, and That's a good number I thought that movie was a complete fluff piece Even for that genre, for that standard I mean, I, I personally I watched that movie in a theater I, I watched it with a couple of friends who were having a birthday party So I walked in, I didn't pay for it um, Not that I'm cheap But I'm just saying And it, it was like I, I get light. That was beyond light for me. It was like I don't even know why I would why you'd produce it. That's just my opinion. So, but I like the genre. I you know the trailer to the Clooney, Roberts. That's big star pairing, right? right. At, you know, at this stage in a game for them, uh, l- let's see how that plays out.
0: Oh, the well, last time we saw them was that Money movie, right? That uh, he was the the guy on TV and uh, being yeah. held hostage. Remember that? Uh, that was a po- yeah, pre-COVID movie. I
1: mean, did. I, I was mixed on that film.
0: Yeah, that movie just kind of laid flat most of the two-hour running time. But um, it'd be interesting to see how those two pull in the box office. Um, well, your thoughts on Thor? Uh, let's get to that because it's uh, obviously
1: here, here, here. Here's the deal. I I, I knew going in. Here, well, let me just preface my expectation level was like I you know I don't look at Thor like I go if I walked into a, a new Spider-Man movie or Avengers movie. So my expectations. And not overly hype, so I knew going in. I read a lot of the advanced buzz, you said it plays with a lot of comedy. Now, I'm not a fan of Thor Ragnarok, which a lot of people seem to love. I thought that was silly, uh, and, and it wasn't involving it, like it lost my interest throughout a lot of its running time. So, I'm, in, I'm, I'm the minority on that one. So, I walk in, I'm like, okay, let me just see what this is about, and I gotta tell you. Surprisingly, I was very entertained, and it did hold my attention throughout its entire running time. I think – you're going to laugh at this. It almost felt like – he felt like I was watching History of the World Part Two, and the movie was directed by Mel Brooks.
0: Really? That over the like top? Like
1: line delivery. It, yeah, at, at times, but, but around the <sighs> edges, it's grounded in enough serious stuff where – the balance for me worked a lot better in this film than Thor Ragnarok. Now, his comic timing, Chris Helms' work, is not good. It's not really good. It's, like, super good. Like, yeah. he's so relaxed on on screen. He's so comfortable in his job in his craft. And the people around him play off him beautifully. Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman is really good in this movie. Seeing her back as Jane Foster, who's now a Thor, a Thor, she wields a hammer. Christian Bale is really menacing as the villain, but he's like, everything. Okay, and another thing, Russell Crowe is yeah. the god, god Zeus. And this is this is played. This is this is like dad to invite Mel Brooks on set to direct the sequence. <laughs> like it's played for, for a complete tongue in cheek laughs. And Dame comes back. He does what he did in Thor Rock He's back making a cameo in a few scenes. And but the Russell Crowe sequence is
0: is like the it's like, like the I Dom DeLuise like, sequence in the history of the world. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding. Yes, it is like and, and he, some funny lines. Like he says, this, this is door. He says, relax. He goes, you're not going to be invited to the orgy. <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm, I'm like, holy, like they're going. They're going in these places, but having said that, there's enough stuff around the edges to to like contain what's going on with, with the state The sticks are at least real enough, right? Where the, like I enjoyed the balance and like I had a good time watching. Like I, it's not like look if they did this with Batman, I'd be furious, right? But with Thor, I it was like he's so good in his line delivery, like that that sequence. The sequence in in uh, Avengers Endgame at the end when he's with uh, the the when when he when he's with uh, Chris Pratt right yeah yeah uh, Star Lord and and he's and he, and he's bantering back and forth about you know who's in charge here when you watch that sequence Chris Chris his con- he's incredible in that sequence if you like that tone right. He's incredible in this yeah. movie if you get that tone. If you like it. there's gonna be some people like I uh, you know, I don't want like Thor being completely funny, but I don't can't explain for this film, this tone just works so much better for me than in Ragnarok. I can't explain why. I don't know. my, my expectation level but I sort of had a good time. I sort of enjoyed it because I, I guess I accepted it and I had a good time watching it. Thank like, you. I know I you know, I'd give it like a seven and a half out of 10.
0: Well, I, need to, I mean, he, he was, but you know, fat Thor was funny in, in the Endgame movie. I mean, that was really, and, and if but you hey, saw-
1: let me tell you something, let me tell you something. There's a scene in this, there's a scene in this movie where, where Zeus, Russell Crowe, he, <laughs> he, 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 weighs like a magic one and he strips Thor of his clothes. Right. Yeah, it's in the trailer. Holy yeah. Yeah, smoke, yeah. Mike. Yeah. Mike, this guy, I, I don't know. He, this guy is in, in, stunning physical shape in
0: this yeah. movie, yeah. like
1: stunning physical shape in this movie
0: he's actually quite funny in the Vacation reboot with Ed Helms, he's got a couple good yes. scenes in that, he's very and funny listen,
1: he's also funny in, in the Ghostbusters female yeah. Ghostbusters yeah. Movie, yeah. in the yeah. Annie Potts reverse role
0: right? So, well, we all know how we you like really, that he's one he's very talented yeah, you like that movie, I remember that one I yeah.
1: did, but <laughs> you want to know something he, for whatever reason he only, for me he works really well Thor, especially yeah. in the Avengers movies. Oh, my like gosh. You put yeah. him in another movie, another action movie. I don't think he works as well. Not even close. Um, so
0: all right, it's well, interesting. It's a, I, did, it, I did enjoy
1: it. I did. Enjoy it's enjoy enough to it. maybe
0: get me to see it. Um, let's talk about some movie news. I guess the biggest thing that's come down the Pike this last couple of weeks is <laughs> it's big news to somebody, but not us. James Cameron not going to do Avatar four and five um what exactly has he been working on for the last 15 years then that, that we're just going to get three from him and that's it
1: that's uh too too many for me at uh, least too many
0: yeah what a, what a waste of talent just a complete waste of talent and I time i don't get it I don't get it either what do you think about and now we've talked uh, in the past about you know there's only one wolverine and it ended you know with uh with hugh jackman and, and but Mm-hmm. there was casting I heard maybe this week that sparked my interest a little bit. Taron Edgerton actually met with Marvel to play Wolverine. Something about that intrigues me, Chuck. And I don't know why I really, I, I really me like too. him. That might you work. You
1: know why it will work and it will happen. I, I don't, I don't think you meet with these type of people on his status. I think they'll do that. And I think it, uh, I don't see any reason not to, I mean, listen, I think you cannot recast Iron Man, not in this decade at least, but you can recast Wolverine, in my opinion, because I think what they did with Wolverine and Logan, and that was great movie. Yeah. James Mangle, who's the director of the new Indiana Jones film, that was a terrific movie. I mean, terrific. That was a um, – I think that was – what they did with that character in that you know, he made an R rated Logan. It was a really good movie. So smart move. I, I think, you know, it, it it completed the cycle. it completed the cycle. Um so I, I, I think this I like this move. I, I'm 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 on both. they do it. And I my gut feeling is I think it'll happen.
0: Um and last but for me, um I did see Ethan Hawk made a documentary on Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward called The Last Movie Stars. Oh, I really? can't wait to see that. That'll be HBO Max is gonna is going to pr- they they dropped the trailer a documentary on Paul Newman I mean who doesn't need something like that
1: That's cool I like that
0: We'll turn our attention to um to uh this day in movies and this is where Chuck picks
1: uh, Oh I was going to I was going to ask you I didn't get a chance to watch Stranger Things season Oh, my four.
0: god Did it's you? so good Yeah it is really good Chuck um really and and let me tell you some I'm this is not a spoiler They're setting things up for a season five. I mean, there's going to be another season. There's no doubt about it. Well, no,
1: they say they announced there is going to be another season. That will be final season. They also announced it had like billion plus minutes minutes watched, whatever that means.
0: Yeah, it's it hits all the notes it needs to hit. It's really good. I mean, these these Duffer brothers, they know what they're doing. There and and uh, maybe there's too many characters in these uh, in this series, but you know when you're dealing with these types of episodes. Um, maybe it needs to jump around it, it's really good um, and uh, the real interesting thing will be what who comes out of this series and has an extra career and we know David well, Harbour good, good you know David Harbour right. will gonna he, he he's going to be a star David Harbour will because he's already done movies and he's been Hellboy and all that stuff so Hopper's going to be a star this kid Joe uh, Joe Keary. Who plays steve on it i think he's he's done a couple other films he was actually in free guy mm-hmm. i think he's gonna be a star millie bobby brown's gonna be a huge star um that why? might tell
1: me why why, why She's just why got she to tra- be a huge star. she's Tom.
0: obviously got range to do um two different types of roles she's done the the okay. sherlock holmes and nola holmes show on netflix movie that was really good um she's gorgeous um she's very young she's got a lot of talent she's gonna last The kid that plays Mike, he's been in the Ghostbusters movie, and uh, I just I don't see the appeal there outside of Millie Bobby Brown and maybe David Harbour. I think those two are leading the pack right now. Let's put it that way. I agree. A couple of the other, you know, the funny characters, the Dustins and the Lucases, they're so awkward right now. It's hard to tell if they're going to come out of that stage, you know, being able to appeal mass audiences. I hate to say that. Dustin's very appealing and he can clearly act, but. They're all going through that late teen stage of puberty. It's hard to tell what they're going to come out on the other end. There is another star, Sadie Sink, who plays Max on the show, who really stands head and shoulders above the rest of the cast in these last couple episodes, too. So I think she's got a future. So that's the real interesting thing. Um, You know, they could stay in this soft spot of a TV series for a long time. The question is, who emerges after it? Because it doesn't. A lot of times, these, these, these explosive shows, Chuck, they don't produce a lot of stars after it. They, these, these kids and these shows like this sometimes fizzle out. So, but it's great. Hits all the high notes. It, it, it I mean, it, a, a lot like J.J. Abrams, you could tell these two guys grew up in the same decades we grew up, Chuck, and they appreciate the movies that we appreciated growing up in. Um, so they, it shows on the screen when they deliver. And Sean Levy plays a big part in the development of this show as well. And he's always had a lot of talent in the industry. So it's in good hands. It's always gonna, it's always gonna deliver. It's it's hard to drop the ball when you got so many people that care about their product so much.
1: So you want more?
0: I will. Yeah, I do want more. I do. You know, a lot a lot of this series, all the characters aren't together until the very end, and then when they finally get together, like, well, crap. I like it when they're all together, and and I think that's what's going to end up happening in the next season. And they brought in some new characters too. They're very appealing. Listen, my daughter's hooked. She's twelve years old. She can't stop talking about it. I can tell you that much. It's 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 got its hook in. That's it. a
1: good thing. I like I like yeah.
0: that. Yep. Um, it, 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 I just wish it was on the big screen movies like that to hook you in. She, oh, by the way, I introduced her to uh two great comedians uh, last night. You'll get a kick out of it. Speaking of Iron Man, um, we watched Back to School last night, her first oh, venture cool. into Ron-, cool. Ron Ron yeah, Ronnie. She, she, she liked it. I said, You know, that's Iron Man there. She goes, Who? I'm like, The kid right there, um, Lutz. No, I'm like, yeah, that's and everything he does. in that. he almost steals that movie. Chuck, you watch that movie over and over again. He's got four he's or five scenes stealing stuff. And then you,
1: how good is Keith Gordon in that movie? Though? He's
0: really good. He's very down to earth. Really he grounds good. that movie a lot. Um, you could tell that great, ca- the, great, listen, great casting his
1: casting opposite Rodney Dangerfield.
0: And, you know, and you know, it works this, because
1: there's some movie magic there.
0: And you almost forget William Zabka's in it. He plays the heel again. He's basically playing Johnny Lawrence. And um. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah. she really liked, and we watched some of his uh, stand up after it was Sam Kinison, that she thought when he rips the chair out of the then throws it across, oh, I mean, awesome. she was hysterical laughing. And when he's yelling, say it, say, I mean, and then I showed her some of his stand up. Oh, she...
1: my God. You know, in a movie, in a movie theater back in 1986, that sequence, people were howling. They were oh, laughing until God. they. They couldn't laugh anymore.
0: I I I got to be honest. I hadn't watched in a long time. I was crying, laughing at that scene because it just some of the small dialogue. You know, that was
1: crazy. Sam Kinne- Sam Kinne- Sam Kinison Kinne- in that in that movie was in real life. He was only in his mid twenties.
0: It is crazy. It's crazy, and he's only in the film yeah. uh, to four minutes. I mean, it's it's only that, and he's at the end. He's got a little tag on that's funny too. But the the impact he made not only on on the movie but his career that that. That that movie helped his career so much too, and yeah. he owes it all to Rodney. And, and, uh,
1: uh, last, yeah, but the last question on the film, like who who like it was almost genius to Sally Kellerman. Like you don't yeah. know until yeah. maybe they did a screen test to her in Dangerfield. I mean, what beautiful casting
0: that worked out beautifully. Yeah, it was well, very well cast, very funny. And Burt Young works in it too, as Lou is, but as a driver, uh, it, it, there's really yes. not many things wrong. It's, it's really his tour de force, it's his school of rock. It's Rodney Dangerfield's one movie where you know it, it, it that he Excellent. owns. Excellent and it's, point. Yeah. It, it it's just made for him and built for him, and it, it really—it's f- like a glove. Yeah. All right, Chuck. Let's go to this day in movie history. You pick the year. I tell you what's in theaters, and we'll should, we'll give us a reaction. Two
1: thousand
0: seven. Oh, you're going into the two thousands on me here, huh? All right. Here we go. July eleventh, two thousand and seven. Well, you got Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix coming out. And I believe that was one of the later ones, uh, the fifth installment of the Harry Potter seasons. Uh, we're both fans of that series, right? They, they did really well with all those. Um, yeah. al- also out a horror movie called Joshua with uh, Sam Rockwell a movie called captivity with uh, Alicia Cuthbert. Boy, what happened to her? Where'd she go? Chuck?
1: I heard she, she's, she's, she's going to, uh, she just got cast in, you know, a, a streaming movie. I just read. But yeah, she was a daughter of Jack Bauer, Keith Sutherland on 24. You know, became a name on that series. Then she did she did House of Wax, a horror movie that yep. uh, yeah made a couple of bucks. But in terms of having a long, long, a prosperous plan uh, of, of of good roles, I sort of dried up quick.
0: You also had the over Fourth of July. You got to see Rescue Dawn with Christian Bale in a, in a war uh, I like war that drama. Movie. Good flick. I actually
1: like that movie a lot.
0: Chuck, the first Transformers movies was in theaters uh, uh, back in two thousand and seven. Which um, is let's... really
1: the best. Which is really the be- best one by far.
0: It is, but it, boy, I never really got into that. I, mean, I like Michael Bay, but
1: no, I did. I, I did like the first one a lot in the theater. I enjoyed that a lot. I think you know, the sequel. The sequel stuck. The third one was better. The Mark Warren One's were oh my. Like why are you doing this? Like it's bombastic, yeah, yeah. but I did, I did enjoy, I did enjoy the uh, the, the Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox uh, first for, for one. I did like it.
0: He was appealing in that. There, there's definitely no doubt about that. Uh, all, I also uh, wanted to point out, "License to Wed" came out too as uh, alternative programming, and that was the Mandy Moore, John Krasinski movie with Robin Williams as a priest. Chuck, I mean that was. Uh, Oh, I yeah. think they were trying to build on Krasinski's uh, office and, uh, you know, you throw in Robin Williams as a as an Irish priest. Maybe we'll get some laughs, but I don't think anybody even went to see that movie.
1: No, you know, it's interesting at that point in, in Williams career, like he, he taking role to say safe, but they are safe. And. He he he, he needed better material than, than movies like that.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, all right, Chuck, let's do fast five is what I give you uh, five stars, uh, actors, actresses, uh, directors. And you tell me the first movie that pops into mind. Um, and we had two big okay. ones that we've done shows on Stallone and Tom Hanks. Both have uh, birthdays this week, Chuck. So, I mean, it's kind of easy to say Stallone, Rocky, Tom Hanks. Uh, name one of his 50 movies that are great, right?
1: Gump. I get. I think the signature role of Hanks is Forrest Gump.
0: Yeah, it's probably even he's
1: had such a great career.
0: You're probably right. So let's do uh, a lot of character actors here, Chuck. Um, Brian Dennehy, first movie that pops into mind. He would have been uh, 84 years old this weekend.
1: I'll say I'll say uh, I'll say first blood because I think he was. he's a very interesting villain, and I think. He, he does it really well in that film.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. The one movie that caveat is and he doesn't show up in the movie until like a half hour into it and they made a sequel. But FX, for some reason, always stands out. Him and his uh, his partnering I, up I that with too. Brian Brown. I mean, that's a real good slick movie. And I always think of that. And it of is. course, I mean, I
1: think the first one, the first one's terrific. The second one, I think, is an interesting, but it's a misfire. It's a
0: misfire. I, like I, would ag- I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and he's also Tommy boy's dad. <laughs> right, I mean, that be, that great, great casting. casting, great casting. How about How about Chris Cooper, Chuck? Another great character actor, Oscar winner. Uh, he is seventy. Can I
1: Can I say Can I say one thing before we move on? Okay, there was a time in that period when Brian Denny was a little younger that they talked about him, uh, talked about a Gilligan's Island big screen movie. Would have made he sense. He would have been a great skip. He yep. would have been, and 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 Rick Gilligan in that period. That would have been a fun film.
0: Yeah. I that mean, they, been they made
1: the two Brady Bunch movies really good.
0: Yeah, they oh. did. They did. Sherwood Schwartz, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, what yeah. about Chris Cooper? Seventy-one. I got one that pops to mind right away.
1: Uh, the Patriot popped in my head.
0: Oh, that's an oldie. He's um, done better though. Um, mine's yeah. October Sky, through and through. The dad and that. I mean, God, he's and and he's yeah, so good. Really
1: good. How old? How
0: old is he? He's seventy-one years old. And I loved him in Adaptation, which he won the Oscar for, too. He's really good. Always solid. Always solid. Um, Ned Beatty, Chuck, who we lost last year, would have been 80, 85 this year. Um,
1: oh, it, it, a lot it, For me, it's Rudy. It's just Rudy. I mean, he's done so, a lot of good work, but it's, it, it, you know, Deliverance and Superman,
0: I mean Otis, uh, Otis, Rudy. yeah. For me, it's Otis. I mean, Otis Berg, <laughs> <Otisburg. laughs> <laughs> And the funny thing is, really, we talk I, about talk so about. The, would, I'm
1: surprised. But listen, I I, I, I think the reason Rudy for me is because at that point in his life and career, he's done a lot of work, right? And he started working later in his life. I Deliverance is his first film, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And he's not like you know, he's not in his twenties. Rudy feels like the culmination of respect. And he just he's great as Rudy's father in that film. In my he, opinion,
0: he is good. And bring up back to school. Don't forget, he plays Dean Martin and <laughs> Dean Martin and yeah, back to school. He's really funny. <laughs> he's funny. And he got yeah. in late in life. He got in the Toy Story. He was lots of love. He was one of the villains in Toy Story 3. He did a great job in that film. An absolutely fantastic job. Um, Billy Crudup, Chuck who's got uh, a real interesting career, probably should have been a bigger star than he is, 54 years old this weekend. I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind... Well, I think a big fish. Big fish, big right? Fish. But remember back but, in the day...
1: Here's the thing. When they were... Ca- yeah.
0: He was uh, he was in uh, the, the 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 movie Sleepers, right? It was one of his first roles, and I thought he was really going to take off after that. Never really hit the well, ground a lot running the after that.
1: Re- a lot of, of people... A lot of people predicted uh, would be he would emerge as a big star in the industry. It didn't really happen. He's respected, but I remember in '97 when they were casting Titanic, and the role ultimately went to uh, Jack Dawson, went to Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he, James Cameron seriously considered uh, Billy Crump is the lead in that film. That would have been
0: would have been interesting. I mean, I, yeah.
1: Darryl
0: was the right choice, Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong there, and he's actually yeah. very good in the morning show. Billy Crudup, and I believe no. he got a, I th- believe he got a Golden Globe nomination for that too. He's really good in that uh, the morning show. And last but not least, and I found it interesting, Kevin Bacon is going to be starring in a uh, camp uh, 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 slasher uh, show um, uh, coming on. I believe it was Hulu. I saw it. It's called They Them, um, which is coming out s- uh, later this year. But it all started with Kevin Bacon back in. The Friday the 13th days when I say Kevin Bacon, the first thing and only thing I think of is Ren McCormick from Footloose. But there's tons to choose from.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, that would that, that's his signature. That is that is uh, his generational signature role. Right.
0: But he's also one of those guys, Chuck, that every time you cast him, you tre- get a tremor. Profe- I think
1: it's tremors. It tremors,
0: tremors. But you look at Apollo 13, uh, Mystic River, you cast him. You're going to get a great uh, just a great actor. Always on top of his game, and as um, a
1: villain, as, as as a villain, I, I think a R- River Wild with Melrose Streep, which yeah, I think is an underrated movie.
0: It is an underrated movie. He's he's done villain in the past, and and he can do now. M- and he, now he doesn't you, look-
1: you 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 know you brought this up to me, which is an interesting footnote for people who are listening may not know. When Fred Ward passed away a couple months ago, right? You said to me you didn't know this, but I knew it that they had shot. Uh, a tremor TV a, show, a TV show, right? yeah, about a reboot. Four yep, or five years ago, about, I think it's like five years ago, with with uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. They shot a pilot for Netflix, right?
0: Yep, I think it was Netflix. And yeah, it
1: was, and 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 Netflix passed on the pilot. And I'm saying, how bad could that a pilot at <laughs> Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon in a cult and, classic and horror, for, yeah. And you and you when they're when they're producing when they're throwing money at garbage, right? They've been throwing money at garbage, right? Yeah. Just to get content. Like I I don't think it's really valid, especially at the Fredboard pass. Why not? Let us see it.
0: Yeah, it's really Let really really, it. really weird stuff. All right, Chuck. Well, the back half of this show, we're gonna talk about the great career of James Kahn. Before we do that, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up a couple other passes. I guess it does happen in threes. I'm not as, uh, you know, not as big a stars as James Kahn, but Larry Storch, who is 90, was 99, passed away this week. And the only reason I bring up, because how many people listening um, Saturday or Sunday mornings after church, F Troop was on, and then you got ready for some football.
1: Yeah, on WPIX Channel 11. I got to be honest, it's a long time ago. But what I do remember about Larry Storch is he's a prime example of... The convention circuit, where you get a guy like this who's in his late nineties, and they're and they're propping him up at conventions to sign yeah. autographs, and he's probably getting twenty five thirty dollars a pop, right? Which, <laughs> which, 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 which shows you that like your autograph at these shows is. I mean, this is, this, is a, I, I think ten years ago it was bigger, but uh, it, it is an amazing cottage industry for for talent that by many circles has long been forgotten, right? So uh, good for good for him or good for the anybody that you know can get a get, you know make pay their mortgage buy a condo off uh going to these conventions and signing their name. I, yeah. I think it's cool.
0: Yeah. Um and uh Tony Sirico died too uh, affectionately known by most people as Paulie Walnuts on the Sopranos Chuck, the typical Goomba guy. He would pop up in movies every once in a while but his, uh, his character outside of Tony was one of the more iconic characters in that entire oh. run of the series.
1: Well, it was because um, here's the thing. Here was a guy that was uh, in front of the camera on that show, extremely comfortable in character. Like it was so natural. His line delivery is funny. He bounced off the other actors beautifully. Uh, Michael Imperiali said he did probably his best work on the show in all those scenes. I mean, they had great banter. Tony and Pauly, you know, the show's iconic, and he was a big part of that uh, that legacy, why that show was so brilliant and so entertaining and so well done. Uh, you know, it, it, again, you know, every time we talk about these, the passing of, of these people that we see on the screen, both big and small, you know, it's extremely reflective. Yeah, it really is, because it really it really does show you, you know, in a blip of an eye, how fast I mean, Sopranos has been off the air
0: for a while, for, right?
1: a long time
0: yeah and, um, and a lot of people consider so quick. a lot of people consider the episode with him and michael Pirioli in the woods is the best episode of the series and it doesn't even have tony in it and it's just the two of them yeah. in the you know uh, going out in a hit i mean that's a lot to say about an ancillary character in a big uh, big time series like that that the kind of impact that it lasts and now and,
1: and what's really cool what's really cool about that episode is it had no closure right it, it was like, it had no closure. The rup- Russian mobster who they were looking for, uh, who was wounded, they never found him. That, and and it, it, it we all speculation: is he ever going to come back? Like down the road, and never did. And but they did. You know, David Chase was notorious. Like in real life, not everything has an answer.
0: Well, he proved right? that on the not final episode an answer, too, right? Uh, he, he proved that right. on the I very mean, last he, episode.
1: But here's the thing: acquaintances that you meet in life, people that you. You, you meet a few times to speak to, you don't, sometimes that's it. You don't yeah. see them ever again. Yeah. And he scripted a lot of that stuff, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a bummer of a passing. And, and, and uh you know, people are going to rediscover or discover the Sopranos on HBO max for many years to come. And when they do, they're going to know this guy was uh, extremely entertaining as that character.
0: No doubt about it. Um, it, it. It was a start making a role for him. No doubt about it. And he actually has got a very funny short run on Family Guy when they killed. Um, <laughs> they killed the dog, Brian, off the series and they got a new dog, Vinny. Um, it was voiced by <laughs> Tony Sirico. Cir- and was very, very, very funny. Um, one tough guy passes away. But a, an iconic tough guy passed away, too, Chuck. And we're going to go through his career. And that was James Conn, born in the Bronx. Of course, a dad of Scott Kahn, who would have a moderately successful career so far in the industry. But let's, you know, he did a lot of TV stuff and he was in, you know, a, a few movies back in the 60s and stuff. We're going to skip all that and jump right to the where it all started. And it really wasn't The Godfather in 1972. It was a little TV movie right before that that came out, Chuck. That really turned a lot of heads and talk about how important Brian's song is in the lexicon of not only sports movies, but TV movies and tough guy movies.
1: Well, here's the thing, you know, back in the day when a network produced a TV movie that they felt, "Okay, this is good stuff. Right. They knew they had something good because it was based on a on a novel. So it had good source material. They cast really well. Billy D. Williams and James Caan. Uh, had really good chemistry in this telepic, but here's the thing: when, they, when, 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 when they these telepics back in this time period were really well marketed, and this got a massive audience uh, in its initial airing. I, I don't know exactly what the audience is, but I'm going to pred- predict 50 to 75 million people tuned in to watch this TV movie, and it was really good, and it pulled at the heartstrings, and uh, James Conn was really good in it. Brian, uh, Billy D. Williams is really good in it. And, uh, it's a good story. It's emotionally powerful. And, uh, yeah, it was a big part of James Conn's career. No doubt about it.
0: Well, you bring it up. It was the most watched television show in 1971 made for two made, most watched made for TV movie ever at the time. 32.9 share. It got Chuck 48. Oh, uh, then, yeah.
1: then, then it, then it had to get around hundred million people.
0: Yeah, it it was only surpassed. It was surpassed by the Night Stalker a few years later. But, I mean, you're talking about and it made it okay for guys to cry. Right. I was a part of it, too. It was like the first tearjerker where it was okay for a guy to break down and cry in it. And you you said it. Great casting, great source material. And it really made him a star. Now, let's face it. If he doesn't do the Godfather right after it, who knows what happens? Because his turn as Sonny is pretty freaking iconic, Chuck. I mean, you talk oh, about God. the star power in The Godfather, right? And you got Marlon Brando, you got Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, all these great characters. But in that original Godfather, there's one that has more energy, more power, and just more pull. The one you care well, about the feels, most. It's Sonny. His character,
1: his character feels different than the other characters for right. whatever reason, right? It just feels different because you know he's a hothead and you know he's exploding. You know he's explosive, and uh, usually that doesn't end well.
0: No, and, and it didn't end well for that character, for him, <laughs> as all, at all. Um, but and he's you know you think about it, he he dies relatively early in that film too, Chuck. It, you know, it, you talk about screen time, he's, but he's got such iconic moments when he beats the crap out of his brother-in-law on the street, I mean, that is just unbelievable. Um, and when, you know, obviously the scene at the wedding too, which would, uh, I guess, spawn, um, you know, uh, the, 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 his, his child in the third one played by Andy Garcia. Um, and then of course his death scene, one of the best death scenes in movie history.
1: Oh, it's incredible. that scene. and, 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 you know, it had audiences on the edge of the seat, yeah, great.
0: Yeah, he was and nominated. So well
1: shot. And, so well, and so well shot.
0: He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that film as well. He would go on after that to do an, another another film that people love, and I think it's very well made, too. A lot of people cited it as their favorite James Caan movie, and that's uh, James Toback's The Gambler, Chuck. And I know you're a big fan of this film, which you did in 1974.
1: I, listen, I'm a huge fan of this film. I, I think this movie, without a doubt, One is very relevant, especially now with sports gambling at an all-time high, and you know, going on your phone to be able to bet any game you want. Um, He plays a New York, uh, a a New City college professor who gets hooked on compulsive gambling, sports betting, and there's a scene in this, and it's I think it's a definitive movie on gam gam gambling addiction. There's a scene in this movie because I had issues in my life with different vices and I dabbled in some sports gambling in my twenties and got me in some trouble. There's a scene in this film when he's sitting in a bathtub late at night, listening to a Laker game on a wet coat yeah. and he bets heavy on the game. And at the last second, he, he loses. Yeah, It has tremendous power. And if yeah. you know any, if you've ever gambled and lost and a lot of people have, I mean, uh, and to one form or another, and it really doesn't matter. In a lot of ways, if you bet a thousand dollars on the game, if you bet five dollars on the game, when you lose, it's it's just like it's an ego thing. Yeah. Like it's it's more than the money. And in, in the movie, you know, the gambling addiction really has a lot more to do with just money. It, it, a lot of it comes down to a, a self, um, just a, a self will that you're smarter or better. and right. can't take away. Right? right. That's really what the addiction is.
0: Well, and, uh, and he captures he, it so well.
1: He, he's, he does. And, and what makes this movie powerful is it has an ending that maybe not everybody might get.
0: No, but I do. Yeah, I get right? it, too. Yeah, he, it's... He's,
1: self, he, he's he he's basically I'm not going to give it away, but he, he puts himself in a situation, right, that will scar him for the rest of his life on purpose. Yeah. It's very powerful. And it's really, it's just really good movie. Like, and they don't listen. No, I know they, they made it with Mark Wahlberg. It's not even close, but no, here's the thing not. they don't make the runness of 70s cinema. Uh, yeah, it's uh, before it's before special effects, right?
0: it's before Star Wars. It's I think it just before it's before Star the, uh, Wars. I think it's before Star it's, Wars, it really comes down to
1: right. And, and so, so movies are more movies in the 70s, which a lot of people call a golden age, and and You know, I love these, but, you know, 70s, it is there is a golden age to the 70s because it's raw filmmaking at its absolute best. And you get some of the best acting and best direction, storytelling, best scripting. And The Gambler has all these things. And it's a terrific movie.
0: And that same year, uh, we're talking about essential James Caan movies. Um, We lost him at 82. That same year, he did a lighthearted comedy action movie. I actually enjoyed growing up. Freebie and the Bean, opposite Alan Arkin. They're very funny together in this cop buddy cop movie before there were buddy cop movies ever made. Chuck, um, Freebie and, and the Bean. Po-
1: and that movie was that movie was popular and it did well.
0: And then he would star in a musical, uh, Funny Lady with, uh, with 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 Babs. Chuck, uh, not too far in 1975. So he's shown his versatility. But the better movie. In yeah, here, But
1: here's the thing. Here's here, here's the thing. This is what's interesting. We'll we'll talk about more as we go on. Here's what's interesting interesting about James Kahn. He I, I think later in his career, which we'll talk about, he, he's he's a sort of talent that doesn't fit into certain parts, right? Right. Like I, I think like you look when, when you when you're looking to cast James Kahn, you can't cast him in everything because he doesn't fit into everything. Because he has a very masculine persona tough about guy.
0: him. He's a tough guy. He's
1: like Bert. He, he's sort of like he's sort of like Burt Reynolds times five to an yeah, I, without, I,
0: I mean, with the difference be. between him and Burt Reynolds that Burt Reynolds always came across as a goofball in a lot of movies. So Humorous, James Con- y- right. James yeah, Conn I mean, never really showed that easily, sign.
1: But James Conn easily could have been to the deliverance role of Burt Reynolds. Oh, right?
0: definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, that would have been interchangeable. That's what I'm talking about. So like a movie like Funny Girl, opposite Robert Streisand, you could argue, like, was that the right role for him?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I, but but um, you, you're opposite a, a huge star at the time. Obviously, I, I, there's yeah. a be- he made a better movie in 1979, 75, an, an iconic character. Um, and that was Rollerball. As Jonathan, Chuck, uh, this movie lasted with me. I watched it a million times in the late 70s on HBO. Yeah, uh, R- Rollerball is a fantastic futuristic movie. The sequel sucked. But this is a classic movie about a futuristic sport. And he's the star in it, Chuck. And I he doesn't talk a lot in this movie. But boy, does he's got a tremendous lot of power as Jonathan.
1: Yes, it's a Norman Jewison movie. Um, this movie was popular in theaters. It was... Um, very visionary. It was thought provoking and uh, it was really good.
0: Also, it's in seven, another
1: really good movie that he
0: made in the 70s, yeah, he's perfect for the film. In 75, he did The Killer Elite, too. I remember seeing that one. That's a peck and pom movie with Robert Duvall as the bad guy. He's the good guy. Um, real good stuff, Chuck. In 75, he played himself in Silent Movie in 76. He joined the all star cast of A Bridge Too Far, which I thought he stood it out in that film, too. Uh, all the characters in that film, he's trying to save a dying young soldier in it. He kind of is often his own in that movie, um, but he's very good in uh, in A Bridge Too Far. He would uh, star opposite Jane Fonda and comes a horseman, a Western in 1978. Uh, he did a Neil Simon movie in 79. Chuck, you talk about a role you wouldn't necessarily think would be him. He's basically playing Neil Simon because it's an autobiographical pick with Marsha Mason um, chapter two in 1979 with James Khan as the lead is a little odd.
1: Yeah, I like I said, again, he not. He, he, he's not at this period where you could see this. The the um, the issue where he could be miscast in the right. wrong part.
0: Right. I thought it was an interesting film in 1980. He actually and if he is. And, and,
1: and, and if he and it, Here's the thing. If he is miscast and he was miscast in a few things, he sticks out like a sore thumb.
0: Right. Right. Um, in 1980, he directs his first movie and stars. And, and I thought it was an interesting concept. And I saw—I remember seeing it as a young kid, hide in plain sight as he plays. He's trying to get his son, you know, his, his uh, kids go into witness protection. He's trying to find them. Interesting concept. Didn't find a big audience. But in 1981, he teamed up with Michael Manchuk and Thief. Is a hell of a great movie as he plays Frank in that. Um, that I just recently watched One it. it too.
1: It's, it's as good as anything he's ever done.
0: Anything he's ever done. He's so good in it. Yeah. And James Belushi actually works real well in that too. Is it Tuesday Welds in that right? Um, and the, he,
1: he plays. He, plays off. They play off each other very very well in that movie.
0: Yeah, it's just it's an iconic role by an iconic actor. He would play an angel opposite. Jeff Bridges and Sally Field. Do you remember Kiss Me Goodbye in 1982, Chuck? I don't. Yeah, it was a lighthearted comedy where he, he basically played uh, her first husband who died and, and haunts her. Yeah, it didn't work. Then he would take a long time off, Chuck. That was 1982.
1: Why? He, here's the question. Why?
0: Do you know why? Because I don't know why.
1: I don't know the answer. I, I think here's here, this is just an observation. I think again he he's an interesting persona on and off screen right and i think at that period i think a lot of casting directors now we're getting into the 80s the industry's changing somewhat i just think he was a harder he was a harder shoe to fit in
0: well and i think or he had a
1: foot to fit in a shoe
0: yeah i i do recall him having some drug issues too at the time and some i think his yeah. sister died so he was going through some yeah. tough stuff and it wasn't a too yeah. Francis Ford Coppola came back and said, hey, I got a role for you. And he came back pretty strong in Gardens of Stone, Chuck, which was a, a decent Vietnam uh, a vet movie uh, right. back in the day in 1987. Got him back on the horse. And then his very next movie, I think, is one of the more underrated sci fi movies. It ended up having a TV series. He opposite. He's opposite. Mandy Patankin an alien nation who would have thunk this 1988 throwaway sci fi cop movie would have some legs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it did well. It caught on. It was thought-provoking. Obviously, it's a metaphor for ra- race relations, right? That's yeah. the, the concept.
0: Well, because it's a pretty standard – it's just a Manny pretty Patankin, standard drug movie.
1: It, it It is, and Manny Patankin is very good. There's some good banter in the movie, and, and James Kahn's really good. He plays off – he plays the material very, very well. But it, it does feel like, – um, it feels – this film, especially I remember when it came out, it feels like James Kahn like morphed into another another decade. Yeah. Like it was like his introduction to a new decade. It's, and and it's
0: it's interesting you would say that he'd have a small role in Dick Tracy He's pretty funny in, as well. Um, but yeah. you talk about going into another decade and another uh, stage of his career cast as Paul Sheldon in Stephen King's Misery was the best career decision he ever made. And I'm sure some movie executives thought, James Conn, really, this is what we're going to do. And boy, did it work when he's smashing, they did. Ca- yeah. But, when he's smashing Kathy Bates's head, oh my gosh, he's perfect yeah. for that movie.
1: And, and he underplays the role, like, he's not playing it, to. T- he's not playing, um, you know, the t- he's not playing it like Sonny Corleone. No, like, he's downplaying his persona, and it works completely. But you know, there were people who felt, uh, Jane is he's miscast. Why are you casting him in this film? But it's a great movie, yeah. and uh, she's a She's iconic.
0: Oh, I know. And uh, I don't <laughs> care if
1: he played it as Sonny Corleone. She's still the dominant character in this movie.
0: When he's stuffing the papers in her mouth, telling him, eat this, you sick twist. I mean, it, it that Sonny Corleone comes <laughs> out a little bit. It works so well. Yeah. I was cheering. Yeah. I remember cheering in the audience yeah, when yeah. he did that. It yeah. just uh, and it doesn't yep. work if unless Kathy Bates is an iconic villain. And that's why it's so great. Oh, but uh, you need him in. A, and for the boys came out in 91, which is a big hit for him. Chuck, another one of those movies. Like, what is he doing in a Bette Midler, uh, you know, uh, world? War, you know, uh, what do you call it? A musical, basically. Yeah. I love interest for Batman. It was just an odd casting. But it worked and people like this movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And then in 1992, one of my favorite movies is <laughs> Honeymoon in Vegas. And let's not forget, it's very important to point out, he's top billing in this movie. It is James Caan and Nicolas Cage and Sarah okay. Jessica Parker. But him is Tommy okay. Corman. I, I really love this movie. Chuck. We raved about this in the past, but this one is one of my favorite Caan movies.
1: I, you like it more than I do. I like it. I, just, I don't love it.
0: Um. And, and 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 then he starts just making movies for the heck of it, right? He's in the program, which is a big misfire for me. He plays a coach. It, it's not as in depth as you'd yeah. want a college football movie yeah. to be. It's lot, yeah. it's fluff with Omar Epps. Uh, Halle Berry's actually in it too. And a bore fest of a movie with Flesh and Bone with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. I almost fell asleep in that movie. I hated it so much, Chuck. Um, then you know he's doing a couple movies here and there. Then he plays a villain for the first time in a while. And that's in an eraser Chuck, and when he I remember when he came on screen, I'm like, oh, I didn't know James was in this movie, and then oh, I didn't know James Conn's going to be the main villain in this movie. I think he works the ending's a little wonky, but I think I liked him in eraser
1: well it's it's directed by um What's his name? He did, uh, he did
0: Chuck Russell. Ray, Chuck Russell. Did, yeah, Chuck, Chuck Russell. Russell. Yeah.
1: Chuck Russell directed. He did the Blob remake. He's a really
0: good director. A lot of 24s. Had, in my opinion, a bigger career. But uh, yeah, I mean,
1: Eraser is on an interesting period in, in Schwarzenegger's career. But I do like the film and, and I do like James Connett.
0: And he, he basically plays the same character in the same year as a villain in Bulletproof. People might remember this Damon Wayans, Adam Sandler comedy. Um, he plays a vill- villain in that as well, Chuck, but it didn't have the same kind of impact with mass audiences uh, no. f- for people. And um, things would move along for him in the early 2000s, Chuck. Not a lot of uh, uh, hits for him, but another decade, another weird casting, and somehow it works. He finds a whole new audience, and now he's iconic because he'll be watched every Christmas for the rest of time because he's the dad and elf. And again, yeah, you don't you don't no think doubt. you don't think it's good casting until you watch him in it and it actually works. What a great I mean, he should be kissing his agent on the cheeks for say, talking him into doing elf.
1: He got a good one there. And, and it introduced him to a new generation. Right. Yep. And he, and his uh, his star power persona really works well in
0: this movie. It does. It does. Um, and his contained anger. Um, that he seems to do in a lot of movies and then explode every yeah. once in a while. And it works to great yeah. comic timing. And then when he actually sings at the end, he's got the big payoff at the end of this movie, Chuck, where he's singing, you know, the, the song to, to make the sled go. I, it works. Uh, and I can't picture anybody else in that role. You know, it, Yo, it, I agree. It's just amazing. And he built off of that. To, for the decade of the two thousands and a TV series that I know you're a fan of. And he was in Las Vegas for quite some, I think he did uh five seasons, almost a hundred episodes.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was his first forte into TV. He was offered the role. I, I think it's a perfect vehicle because, you know, Las Vegas, he runs a casino. The show has a edge. He's able to do his edgy stuff on the show. You know, he's got, He's got power. His character has power. And he's, he, he's good in that he's very comfortable in those shoes of a person with some power. And uh, I thought he played really well off Josh Dumal or Josh Duhamel off, off him. And the supporting characters, Vern, Vern, Vanessa Marcel, who was in The Rock, uh, and she was on General Hospital uh, before that. I like to cast a lot. This was a big time guilty pleasure for me. I was a big fan. I, I, I thought I thought it worked very well, very well.
0: And yeah, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago is because Tom Selleck would pop up on it eventually right. as well. In and the last
1: season. And he of course, bowed out. he didn't want to do it anymore.
0: Now, the last decade or two recently, he's been in a lot of schlock on straight to video shelves with, with no video stores. So basically straight to streaming. He right. did do a, he did do the, the voice in the, the cloudy with a chance of meatballs. So another generation gets to hear his voice for uh, forever as well. He plays the dad in that. Um, but outside of that, Chuck, he really do much outside of a couple of TV series and, and, and a few movies that really nobody's seen. But when I got the news that he passed away, um, it it kind of it struck a chord with me. You know, I didn't think it would. I agree. But it did strike a chord with you know, me. We,
1: we, you know, I've talked about this in, in, in doing different radio spots over the years like you know when robin williams passed it was uh it was pretty powerful because i was a big fan and you know i hated to see the way he went out but uh this feels um it feels a little surreal
0: well and a lot of it a lot of it has to do with the fact um you talk about an iconic movie in the godfather right and it, and it brings you back to yeah. a time and place when you're young and you're watching it and such an iconic character. And you, you talk about all the time on the show to watch people get old on the big screen. You just want to remember them in roles like Brian's song and The Godfather and even Misery and, and stuff like that. You don't you don't want to see them age. And then when they go away and they're not going to be around anymore, I guess the one thing is, at least we have these movies, Chuck. Um, at least we have, I think what we say about, there's probably about, eight or nine, just great James Conn roles in movies. He didn't yeah, do a lot. Great. He didn't do a lot of great work, but when he did, um, boy, does it resonate. Um, and in different genres, comedies like Honeymoon in Vegas, Mafia movies, like godfather, um, six,
1: decade. six decades, six decades,
0: six decades. And uh, and now your kids can watch him, too, with Elf. And I think there's such an important movie to basically cap his career with, because uh, like you said, it just touches a whole new generation that actually get to know who James Khan is. Yeah, and then maybe, agree. and then maybe go back and see his earlier work like thief and, and, and uh, the gambler. Uh, and, and you, Kim-
1: and you know, th- there's such a good body of work here in the nucleus that, you know, there's going to be a lot of James Khan festivals, especially yeah. in Los Angeles, the new, new Beverly and, and, and theaters like that. And, and in, in New York city, uh, at some of these uh, film forum, you know, there's going to be some really nice, uh Danes con film festivals so that are gonna be really good
0: i gotta be honest with you i like his son too i mean he was good in the oceans movies i you know obviously the hawaii 50 you know he played dano in that i don't think he's gonna have quite yeah. the career his dad had but i think he's got some no, appeal i him. think
1: he he does i think the difference is that uh he's shorter he's than, shorter than his father yeah yeah
0: and, and I mean, let, that's
1: really the biggest difference
0: it, it's hard to be a tough guy and be short, right? It's it, and, and well, that's, you know,
1: it just it, well, James Conn had a lankiness to him,
0: right? Right, yeah, sort of
1: taller and lankier.
0: Um, so you, if you're picking the one movie, you're picking Thief. Well, it's a
1: god, it's a, well, no, go- a god, it, it has it to is. be the godfather, it is, but, but, uh, yeah. but then I would then I would, pick, then I would pick then I would pick the gambler and then I would pick Thief,
0: like yeah. right there, the yeah, they're right it, there. And Brian's song and misery is right in the way. I mean, and
1: Rollerball's great. I mean, Rollerball's yeah.
0: great. Yeah, I, started, I think we named like all the great said, ones.
1: The ones, the, the home runs, the home runs.
0: They're no doubters. That's what they are. You know, they're just no doubters. You say yeah. it, you know it, and it's great. It's not like yeah, kind of like that. He was really good in the movie, wasn't it? No, they're all no doubt classics in so many different genres, uh, whether it's science fiction and alienation and Rollerball or comedies. it, it just all uh-huh. worked. Uh, and, and just an illustrious career. And I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. All right, Chuck, that'll do it. We'll do this again a week from today. You have yourself a great week.
1: You too, Mike. To the audience, thank you very much for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.